Hey guys, how's it going? Sunny D here. Thanks for tuning in to the YFYI podcast. The episode that you're about to listen to is from the recent live story time with Sunny D that I do Monday through Friday mornings at 9 a.m. where I sit down, read through a chapter. This chapter I'm reading through today is going to be the Y chapter. Why is salon ownership for you? From volume two of the YFY series, your first year in salon ownership. Um, this really gets down to the essence of why are you going to be going into business in the first place? Should you be going into business in the first place? And other things to consider to make sure you're not doing it just to be part of the Me Too crowd, but you're doing it because you really have a reason why. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Can't wait to hear your feedback. And now on to the episode. Make it through. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time for story time. Hopefully you guys are you're alive and well. Instagram, thanks for jumping on. We've got um, I've got Facebook live. You know, we've been working. I've been hashing it out with you guys as I've been kind of going through and figuring out the uh, um, the trials, the trials and tribulations of Facebook um, with with Zoom. So, you know, I've got a, you know, it's like yeah, you can have one um, one streaming platform going on, or you know, if, if that's not enough for you, or if you just you just one's not good enough, then you can have multiple. So that's me, right? Always trying to trying to do the most. <clears throat> trying to do the most but what happens when you try to do the most is uh, you end up with you try to do the most you end up with a a little soup a little pot of soup so that's kind of what happened I ended up with a pot of soup and it was all kinds of mixed up so I've been figuring it out and I've been testing it out I'm working on being able to stream the live streams on um, Instagram, on Facebook, on multiple Facebook pages, and I think I almost have it figured out. If we stay in, uh, we stay in quarantine long enough, I'm telling you what, by the end of this, I'm gonna be a master. I'm not even gonna end up going back to the salon. I'm just gonna end up being a live streamer. That's gonna become my full time, <laughs> my full time gig. It's what I do now. It's like, yo, what happened to Sonny? Where's he at? Is he at the salon? No, he's still in. He's still in his room. He's still in his uh, in his studio. That's all he does now. That's all he does now. We don't know what happened. Um, so um, excited to be back with you guys. I think this is episode number twelve, which is kind of crazy to think about. You know, twelve episodes gone through. Um, already read to you guys over the course of the last 12 episodes um, one entire book your first year in the beauty industry how to not just survive but thrive in the business of beauty and now making it into yeah right I'm inside the internet <laughs> what up Chels that was a good one I'm, I'm sucked in I might yeah I might be uh, I don't know what's there's a few different movies I know there's like the matrix movies um, if you're a little bit older, there's one back in the day, The Lawnmower Man. Uh, I think it's The Lawnmower Man, where he like ended up getting like sucked inside. I think it is. He ended up getting like sucked inside the internet. Um, that's going to be me at the end of quarantine. 
Corona didn't get him. Live streaming did though. So, um, but I've gone through the first 12 uh, episodes, gone through the entire, your first year in the beauty industry. So I've actually read an entire book over this course of doing this show, which has been fun um, and a little bit uh, scary because I'm like, damn, man, I got a lot of typos. Um, but I did give you guys a disclaimer, 1.7 GPA. So that is my get out of grammar free card. That's my that's my get out of you know jail grammar whatever you want to call it free. You know, writing. I'm not a writer, right? I'm a I'm a communicator. Um, so writing is just one of the ways I attempted to communicate in these books, and the point comes across. You know, I always get a couple of nerds now and then. They'll like get the book or read the book or, and they'll they'll do me the favor of sending me a, a message on Facebook or a message on like Instagram or message and, and be like, hey, just um, just wanted to let you know. Right? That's always how it starts out. When someone's about to like shit on you, they're like, hey, just wanted to let you know. Um, um, you wrote, you spelled, uh, you know, R. You said our, R. You said it was A-R-E, but it's actually O-U-R. And I'm just like, oh, really? <laughs> and then what I think in my head, I don't say because I don't want to be mean. Um, I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you for that. But you get the message, hopefully. You know, I'm a communicator, not a perfect uh, five-star, you know, writer. Um, I will, you know, edit the book and work on the editing and get it more grammatically correct. Um, but some people just have that natural ability to be able to look at what's good and pick out what's wrong. Um, so that's kind of where that's at. So thank you very much. Um, definitely not. I didn't say it was the, the you know the best spelled book, but I think it's a valuable tool. So if you've already got um, if you've already got this one and read through it. Um, awesome hopefully you're taking notes uh, hopefully you're gonna use it again because even going through this last one right write a book on grammar um, even if you're going through um, this last one that, like when I just went through it there were so many things that I found that were you know relevant right now in this corona economy in this current environment that we're in um, so many things that I found I was like damn like I mean I kind of I mean in a couple of instances I was like damn I wrote that like because like when I wrote the book you know 48 hours I wrote this um, I thought about it for 48 months uh, and then finally got the courage and I've been talking a lot about courage I talked yesterday a lot about fear false evidence appearing real um, how we talk shit to ourselves and psych ourselves out of stuff that we know we can do we know we want to do it um, but then we get inside our own head and you know one of the one of the phrases that I live by you know you stay in your head you're dead you know you stay in your head you're dead um, so it took me 48 months to think about it um, 48 hours to actually write it um, when I got past all my excuses I got down you know what the real deal was I was just scared you know I was scared to write it I was scared of the criticism I was scared of this scared of that um, scared 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 I was gonna write a lot of personal things in there um, especially in our first episode, we, we went into the intro. I think that was the only one. I don't know if we, I think we live streamed that one or 
I'm not sure if I got a recording of that, um, but that intro, you know, I was scared. I was like, you know, I'm going to share a lot of personal shit that, I mean, I don't want, you know, and I'm scared of the judgment, right? People to judge me and people to say, you know, this and that. And, you know, so I was, that's what it really came down to being super scared, being scared of the judgment, being scared of the criticism, being scared of um, the people, you know, with the grammatical error comments, you know, because I'm a human, right? You know, I, I got, I got feelings too. Um, so, you know, being able to kind of get past all that stuff and being able to say, you know what, um, what mattered more, I think what pushed me over the edge, and this may be something for all of you guys when you need to kind of get pushed over the edge is, and this is, is a little different take on it. It was a little different take. Um, if you got something to share with the world that you think could help one person even, you know, may not help, you know, maybe not game changing, like world changing, um, but if it could help even one person and then you don't share it, honestly, I mean, it's kind of selfish, you know, and I started um, getting that into my own head and started thinking about it. Like, yeah, because what if I could, you know, what if I could help at least one person or motivate or inspire one person to um, take a chance or step up to the plate or go for something that you know maybe they've wanted to do forever and because I'm worried about judgment and people criticizing me and people um, looking at me different because they find out you know I'm, I'm jacked up just like everyone else um, but because of that I decide not to you know share um, it's selfish. It really is. And I didn't think about that in the beginning because I was selfish. Because my thought was I was trying to protect myself um, from the criticism. I was just trying to protect myself um, from putting the information out there. So that's really what it came down to. Um, and once I got over myself, and that's a big thing, we got to get over ourselves, then I was able to take the chance. Um, so that you know, we, that's kind of how it all started. So we went through the first book entirely so far, cr pretty crazy. I mean, I didn't read some of the acknowledgements, um, but as I was going through, I was acknowledging people that were in the book and also people that weren't even, that I didn't even acknowledge in the book. Um, so that kind of brought us through your first year in the beauty industry. And again, is it for first years coming out of school? Yes, in school, yes, of course. Um, but then also people that are maybe you know, maybe you've been out in the industry for several years, but now you're thinking about going into the salon. It's a different animal. You know, I know some people that worked in the school environment with me that never worked in the salon. And they were working in the school for five years, um, but they were in that kind of safe space. And then they went to the salon and got, you know, their ass handed to them. It was, they were like, whoa, I didn't, you know, well, yeah, this is being a hairdresser. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> but you got to figure it out. You know, there's a lot of bumps and bruises you got to get. Um, and vice versa. You know, people that are, you know, in the salon that then go into the school environment. It's a whole different, they're two different worlds. I've seen it from ownership. You know, people that own schools become, you know, terrible salon owners and people that own salons become terrible school owners. I mean, I've seen it from, it's a two different worlds. It's crazy because it's the same industry, but it's like two different dynamics. So there are some people that are reading this and people that I've given copies to that are coming in to the salon world 
and they're getting a whole new kind of perspective on on everything. Um, so, you know, that one guy shared uh, 30 years in the game, uh, picked up the book and two things that stuck out to me that he said, he said the first one was, he's like, this is like the first um, book that I've ever actually read, completed, completely read. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> it's like, damn, you need, to, you need to step your game up. Um, but the second thing was, you know, just like the insights that he got. And from his perspective, I mean, he was training a team, he's building a team, he's building salons. Um, but just even with his own career, to be able to take his own career to the next level. And so I think those are some of the uh, key takeaways and those are some of the things I've been getting from people. I've been getting a lot of feedback from you guys. I've uh, been getting a lot of questions. Uh, one of the questions I got recently, which uh, I don't know if you're watching right now or you'll watch this later, but it was from Blake. He's over in our Orlando area. I've known him for years. Um, amazing stylist, talent, educator, business owner. Um, he's writing a book. So he's like, I think I saw a post yesterday. He's like 5,000, uh, maybe like 5,000 words deep or something like that. So I was like, awesome. And so now... Um, he was asking, he's like, you know, what um, what are things like as you write the book, you know, you wish you could change or something to that effect. I don't have the exact uh, message in front of me, but he sent it to me on Messenger. And uh, I mean, it's like everything I'm changing right now. I mean, you know, I'm kind of editing. I was thinking about it. I was like, hmm, I've been actually real time editing these books and story time. As I've been reading through them, I've been, you know, things that I've been making either uh, more relevant to the current situation and so Blake I don't know if you're watching but if that's kind of what you're wondering I'm doing these edits that that you just like were asking about I'm doing these edits real time as I'm reading um, the books live because I'm reading it and I'm like hmm you know that that sounded great especially like the chapter that I did on networking right networking is a huge deal and a lot of people either a don't want to do it or afraid to do it or you know don't know how to say it or don't know what to say or how to say it um, that's one of the things um, what's up what's up Trevor's on Taylor fade you guys follow him you want to see some of the the sickest barbering skills in the world uh, what's going on dude uh, <clears throat> so when you look at that and you look at how do you how do you put it together in words and then get in front of a person. That was great pre-corona economy. That was great pre um, what we're all experiencing right now where all of our salons, our barbershops, our businesses, our favorite places to go eat, all of them are shut down. Um, so as I was reading that chapter, I was doing real-time editing you know, on the moment, on the spot, which I mean, I think that's how I kind of, you know, work best, you know, on the on the move, like, you know, throw problems at me like one at a time, like handling it, you know, right there, right what's in front of my face. <clears throat> so um, long winded answer to your question, um, Blake, I think a lot of the things that I would definitely change, um, I'm, you know, revising, I'm revising both of the books. Um, right now, I'm revising them live with you guys. I'm revising them in my head on my on my computer. I'm looking at all of those things. So those are there's a lot, you know, because this is a new thing, right? We always talk about, and I've always talked about forever that it's so awesome to be in the beauty industry, 
because I'm like, it's one of the few industries that's recession proof. It's one of the few in industries um, that's like depression proof. Yeah, in 2008, when the housing market crashed, people um, lost a lot of their incomes. Um, they didn't stop going to the salon. They just put more space in between visits. So maybe instead of going every, you know, five weeks, they spread it to seven, eight, nine weeks. Maybe nine, they spread it to 10, 11, 12. And that was kind of the beginning of the whole, you know, balayage, ombre trending, right? Because people needed, they were Rudy because they were gone from the salon so long. Then stylists were like, hey, let's kind of make that a thing. Um, so, you know, kind of shot themselves in the foot because instead of having them in the salon every six weeks, they would see them every eight, 10, 12 weeks. So they lost like four visits over the course of the year. But it also was a matter of people couldn't afford it. You know, so that was a whole shift. But here's the thing, they didn't just stop. You know, this is a new thing. So having a, how do you kind of build a business that's gonna be um, not only recession proof, not only depression proof, um, but pandemic proof. Um, that's what I'm talking about today um, as I'm talking to other owners and looking at my own businesses. You know, having four salons shut down now for five weeks with zero, um, hair being done in them is, is I mean, that's a big thing <laughs> because you not only have your, your teams at all these salons that have the revenue coming in, um, have the tips coming in, but then you also have everything else. I mean, all of your expenses of running a business, you know, which I mean, in just expenses alone, I mean, you could be talking you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in just expenses. I mean, that's not even paying people yet. So how long can you stay shut down before and as I'm watching, you know, some businesses right now are just like, you know what? I could do this for about two weeks and then at two weeks they were like, Oh man, and then they really had to dig deep. Well, how long can you hang on for? And they're like, Well, I can do it probably like three weeks. Uh, but now we're going on six weeks. I mean, we're going on, you know, six weeks. I mean, a lot of the businesses, uh, the last number that I saw was like 30, 40% may not make it through. Um, so, and, and 100% of, of businesses are impacted. I don't care what industry you're in. Um, but yeah, if you think about the smallest of businesses, right? You think about the small, small, small you know, like, I mean, I've got four, you know, stores that's pretty small, um, you know, compared to like a, you know, a, like a cheesecake factory or one of these big chains that has, you know, dozens and dozens of stores. And they're like, hey, listen, uh, we're going to be not only laying off our people, but we're going to be closing, you know, 30 locations. I mean, there's and there's there's opportunity there. And that's the thing I've been sharing with you guys as you're looking at it, there's wherever there's doors, um, there's 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 some kind of opportunity. And we don't know like what's behind door number one? Oh, bankrupt. <laughs> what what's behind door number two? Oh, you know, but there's behind one of those doors, you just gotta be have the courage and have the um, the audacity, if you will, to keep on opening these doors. Um, to keep on trying, to keep on opening these doors because behind one of these doors, uh, you're gonna discover that you know maybe that's the opportunity you've been looking for. 
And so as people are sitting around, like, and I'm watching, you know, with my own eyes. I mean, I'm on the internet. I see what people are doing. I've seen I've seen new businesses be started. Uh, you know, spin it up. How quickly can you spin up a business? How quickly can you get a business started? I mean, pretty quick, pretty quick, especially with the internet, especially with Instagram, especially with Facebook. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, me doing story time, coming directly to you every morning and um, just talking to you guys and reading story. It's just unheard of. Like, I mean, the amount of money it would have taken um, now, I mean, if I can get a decent internet connection, I can go live to the world like instantly. Um, so that's and that could be potentially the start of a business, right? Being able to we stood up a business since we've been locked out, locked down, uh, pmtakehome.com. We stood up an online store. Um, we're ramping it up. We did a launch party. Some a lot of you guys came out the other night. Um, online launch party, you know, between myself and my partner out in Texas. I mean, we did a four-hour event. Had a bunch of sales. I mean, which will help our team bridge the gap um, one of the things going into this i already knew like as soon as i started you know thinking okay all right you know kind of figuring out like how much cash do we have when is it going to run out like i'm looking at the you know those things uh, what bills can we put off figuring all that stuff out then i was thinking and i started hearing you know when the government started talking about um stimulus and talking about these checks and all this and that i'm like okay so one of two things is going to happen here. We're going to sit here and we're going to wait for the government to take care of us. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Or we're going to you know, be proactive um, instead of reactive and start to figure out <clears throat> how we can um, pull ourselves up, you know, buy our own bootstraps and make something happen. And that's where, you know, I was thinking from the beginning. And now, you know, you see a lot of a lot of companies, even some pretty established companies are like not able to qualify to get some of the money for the Paytech Protection Program, the PPP, um, the SBA stops taking the applications, you know, so that's going to happen. It's inevitable. You're putting your faith in, you know, a, um, a government. I mean, like. I don't know. Last time I checked, we were in like $22 trillion of debt. So yeah, they do have the, the keys to the piggy bank, right? They can print the money. It's on demand. Um, but you know, you can keep printing it and printing it. But that does not like I haven't gone out to my mailbox to see, hey, is my stimulus check there? I'm like, no, I got to figure out how can I, you know, how can I, what can I do? You know, to create my own, you know, stimulus program to create something that our salon can actually do um, that's real, you know, instead of waiting. Um, so, you know, that's where that's that's how that started. And PMTakeHome.com, we're able to create value, give our guests an opportunity um, to A, stay at home, um, get their beauty products delivered to their doorstep. Um, all that's possible because of things like the Internet, because of things like connectivity. Um, so, you know, what's worse? Would I rather have the pandemic or would i rather have the internet go down probably the pandemic because we can still work you know we can still you know and it's it's heartbreaking to see i mean people are dying and you know if you've had any friends or family um you know know that you know my heart goes out to you um, but think about that though i mean even all the places are hanging on i mean that have been able the restaurants that have been able to do whether it be 
um, DoorDash or whatever Uber Eats have been able to have some revenue coming in. There's a couple of restaurants that I've tried to go. You know, I mean, I don't have the funds, right? I'm not like, you know, eating out like I was at all. Um, maybe once a week, but when I do, I'm picking somewhere around, you know, where I live, and I'll go. And you know, one of the the girls there, she was like, "Yeah, I was doing it, getting a takeout." She was like, "Yeah, we had 50 people on staff, and now she's like, we're down to like nine. She's like three cooks and a you know handful of servers that rotate. So there's only maybe two or three of us here every day um, to try to keep the operation going. I'm like, damn, like." I mean, that's, that's rough, man. So, and then what do those people do? You know, where do they go? Because there's no, I mean, no one's hiring. Like, yeah, my um, revenue has been cut down by 70%. Uh, come work over here. Like, no, that's not, it's like there, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. Um, so when I'm, I'm looking at these different scenarios, I'm, and, uh, as I'm talking to you guys, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Start with you and start with thinking about like what because there's always something you could do. Right. There's always something that you could do first. So start there and then think, Okay, then who do I know? Who can I enlist? Who can I ask, you know, to to join me on this crusade? Right. Um, So it starts with you and that's where everything starts. And if you think about your first year in the beauty industry, you know, it started with you having a thought. Um, so all of you guys that you know you've been through this one, you're you're rocking and you're rolling, awesome. Um, and when you think about your first year in salon ownership, you know what does ownership look like? Um, again, it starts with a thought, and I shared that in my in the first you know in the preface and in the introduction yesterday about coming into um, the business of owning a salon, just being pissed and not wanting to be a salon owner. That wasn't the plan right then and there. Maybe eventually, maybe a few more years later, uh, but not right there. Um, so that's something where you know I kind of grappled with for a while until I pulled the trigger. Um, but now, you know, ten years into being a salon owner and owning, you know, multiple locations, I don't think I'd have it any other way um, because it's given me really an opportunity to fulfill ambitions right see and a if i could do it how many people could i help could i create a training program a system to help people um, work along a career path to become successful Um, could i open and and then moving around like multiple locations figuring out that whole piece Um, figuring out how to do it bootstrap style i've always been a bootstrapper like no money working from you know working from zero and building and building and building um, so it's a lot of fun and you know you get to fail on your own terms right you take a chance on something um, you start something it doesn't work out at least you get to fail on your own terms um, so that's something that's uh, it's kind of nice it's kind of nice um, so chapter wise we've got the first chapter which is why is salon ownership for you we've got starting with the end in mind chapter two we got chapter three is systems chapter four the numbers Chapter five, hiring process. Chapter six, career paths. Chapter seven, you only have two hands. Um, Chapter eight, financing and construction. Chapter nine, key relationships. Chapter 10, growth and expansion. And then there's chapter 11, what if you do make it? And then there's bonus material where I get into things I think, you know, those are kind of like long shots, things that I think will be important in the future. And I'm excited when when I do get into that material to see are any of these things playing out. 
like are any of these things really happening right now um, so that's kind of the overview of the chapters and as I'm looking through I'm thinking I'm gonna start with chapter one you don't have to start with chapter one but I'm gonna start with chapter one the why chapter um, is salon ownership is salon ownership for you now if you're not an owner out there that's okay <clears throat> on paper but I'm gonna tell you right now you're an owner out there you know if you're watching on Instagram or watching on on Facebook you are an owner out there you might on paper you might not be right the place that you work at you might not be an owner on paper but you're an owner right you have ownership um, running through you now before it ends up going on paper there's obviously a lot of things you have to do um, and one of those things is consider you know do I want to have that responsibility do I want to um, do I want to go that route you know and so in this first chapter we're talking about the why um, like in the first book why why the volume one you know is the beauty industry for you thinking about the why like why do you want to be an owner why do you want to become an owner um, so those are things to think about but mentality wise ownership in the mindset I want you to keep in mind ownership in the mindset is one of those things that mindset ownership and actual ownership is not much difference right it's not much difference because mindset ownership is gonna make you act and behave certain ways. Actual ownership is gonna make you act and behave certain ways. So it's really not that much different. Now there may be some financial differences that we can talk about when we get into the financial part, um, but the ownership and the mentality. So let's get into chapter one. And like most and all and every chapter, we're gonna start with a quote. Build it and they will come. And that's Kevin Costner from the movie Field of Dreams. Great movie. Chapter one, why is salon ownership for you? How do most business owners come to be? <clears throat> that's something to think about. In my research, and when I say research, I mean talking to other business owners and straight up asking them how they got started. One of the most popular answers I get is they were a disgruntled employee and were tired of working for the man. That, unfortunately, is not really a compelling reason to take a risk on the task and risk of building your own business. Most then go from disgruntled employee to disgruntled owner. Welcome. Sure, in the beginning, it seems great going into business for yourself seems wonderful until it doesn't soon you begin to realize that now instead of dealing with one issue whether it be faulty equipment a staffing issue supply issue etc etc you now get to deal with all the issues and usually all at the same time that alone may be enough to scare most of you out of even considering opening your own business but for those of you who are still brave enough read on right now i believe we are going through this hugely hugely fake era of entrepreneurship everyone wants to be an entrepreneur it's fashionable it's sexy it's in 
Ever since Mark Zuckerberg rolled up on the scene in his hoodie and sneakers and launched Facebook, at the time it was called The Facebook, which made him a billionaire before he was 30 years old. Um, 13 years it took, by the way. Um, everyone is like, oh, me too. The reality is, though, you got a better chance at hitting the lottery, one in one million, than you do at creating the next Facebook. By using, but using Facebook as a case study, let's take a look at why he started it in the first place. Contrary to popular belief, it wasn't to get girls. Although in the movie Social Network, Zuckerberg is portrayed as this super socially awkward guy who couldn't get a girlfriend. He actually, that's not how it happened. He actually met his wife, now wife, Priscilla, while at Harvard, and they are married with children and doing just fine. After attending a Facebook conference myself, watching Mark's presentation and getting to spend time at Facebook's headquarters in Menlo Park, California, it became quite clear to me why not only he started Facebook, but why it today is one of the biggest and most successful companies in the world. He has a compelling why. It's his North Star, his reason for getting out of bed in the morning to go to the office. It's the reason that led him to eventually drop out of Harvard to pursue Facebook full time. It started and it stated in his company's mission to make the world more open and connected. He wants the tools that Facebook creates to essentially connect the entire planet. Now that's huge. So I'm going to jump in here for a second. So thinking about the why, right? You have to have a, a compelling, a really strong, compelling reason. I mean, when you look at a company like Facebook, which we're benefiting like from right now. I mean, it's making this possible to stream Instagram, to stream through Facebook. Um, we're using all the tools, being able to connect the world. I mean, right now we're finding out how valuable of a tool it is. Now, are they going to, like every company, are they going to have their ups and downs and, I mean, the controversies and the privacy and this and the, that? Of course they are. But, you know, people are not using it. Uh, especially right now, people are using it more than ever, uh, realizing how valuable a tool it is. You know, so, but that's his mission. You know, if you have a why like that, like that's enough to fill you up for life. Um, that's enough to fill you your day up for sure. I mean, when your problem, your challenge, your mission is, I'm gonna, I want to connect the entire world, make it, uh, make, give the ability to make it easier for everyone to be able to connect. Whether you see your, your family or your loved one through Facetime, whether you're able to send a message and, you know, connect with somebody you went to high school with, or you know, just meeting new people across around the world. Like that's a that's a pretty compelling mission. I mean, that's a heavy, heavy task at hand. Um, and you know, looking at that entrepreneurship that I was just talking about about it being sexy, right? Um, everybody you know wants to you know it's like so cool, man. Like I to own a company, it's like one of those things where you're like, yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, so is race car driving. <clears throat> Right, race car driving, Formula One, NASCAR—that's really cool until you're behind the wheel 
and you get into a crash, right? Then it's like, holy shit, this is not cool. Like, I mean, everything kind of looks cool from a distance. I mean, I think UFC, right? I go to watch the fights at, you know, at the wing house or whatever. I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Um, until like you get punched in the face, you get your arm put in an arm bar and you get your ass choked out, right? Then it's like, damn, uh, that's not that cool. When people see, I'm sure, you know, people see me, they think, oh, you know, owning salons, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool until uh, the coronavirus hits and shuts your shit to the ground down completely, right? Um, everything dries up. So entrepreneurship, the sexiness of it, I mean, to take it like to another level, even Barbie, right? Barbie, the the. The Barbie doll company created two versions of Barbies that were entrepreneur Barbie. There was a female and then I think there was like a male version, entrepreneur. Like, so they made it so cool. Like it's cool when we see, you know, Kylie Jenner on the cover. Uh, Forbes is like the youngest billionaire. I mean, that is cool, you know, but there's the other parts of it. And when we see people like a Zuckerberg, you know, at 30 becoming a billionaire. And I mean, but yeah, keep in mind, he started the company you know, 13 years prior, the ideas were already flowing. Um, so we didn't see all the not so cool stuff that happened along the way. Uh, we just see like the end result. Um, so there's things that, you know, I mean, if we were to just talk about epic failures, I could probably do a whole entire uh, show just on that for, for weeks and months of epic failures in, this, in the business of salon ownership. Um, but there's definitely been this like, this aura that's been casted over owning your own business that was super cool before March 15th, before the coronavirus hit, before we all got sent home, and before our businesses shut down. Then it was like, oh shit, now what? Because uh, then you find out you're really, I mean, <clears throat> it's up to you, right? If it's a, to be, it's up to me. It's like one of those things. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, and I think I think right now, um, if anything, entrepreneurship is not that cool because people are like, oh, shit, now everything's on you. So it's not as cool as it used to be. I think there's we're going to have a period right here after this corona economy where um, it may not be as cool um, to have, you know, to have the weight of your, your payroll, your expense, your bills, if you're brick and mortar. I think that's there's going to be a decline in the cool factor of being a business owner. And I've, I've been a business owner since I was 11, um, 11 years old. I've had legal business, non-legal business, right? Selling cigarettes, you know, when I was 11, selling weed, doing all these things. Um, but it's just, I never called myself an entrepreneur. I didn't even know the term probably until, you know, I don't know, probably in the last five to 10 years, it became like this buzzword. I mean, it existed, but I didn't know I was like, you know, I was into entrepreneurship. I had these students from the University of Tampa. One of them used to get his hair cut in our salon before he moved and he came in and he's like, yeah, I'm in the, in the business, you know, school program, the MBA program or whatever. Um, and he's like, our project we have to do is, is a uh, project on a local business. And we, I wanted to pick your business and me and my team, could we interview you and could we talk? And they're like, hit me with all this stuff, like asking me for all this information. And I'm like, dude, we just, we do what we do. We make money. Like I didn't know half the stuff. And they're telling me, they educated me on what it is I actually do. And 
I'm the fucking business owner. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I've got three or there's like four college kids educating me on what it is that I do and why I do it. And I'm like, oh, no shit, right? And I got to go to their final presentation. And I mean, Drew, I don't know if you're watching, but it was awesome. And I never I never thought, like, I was never like, oh, yeah, um, I'm an entrepreneur and uh, this is my business plan and um, this is my, all the fancy terms of business. Like, I just heard them for the first time. And this is after I've already been open for five years, right? It was my second location. And, you know, I'm looking at these kids like, dude, you guys know more about, but here's the thing, they knew more about entrepreneurship because they were in a course called entrepreneurship at a, at a college. The way you learn entrepreneurship, if you want to call it entrepreneur, will you learn it, um, you know, obviously at the register, right? Making transactions, you learn it in rolling your sleeves up and being in the business. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully they picked up some things from me, but I, I I got schooled. I was like, oh, wow. And I'm in this presentation and I'm like, oh, so this and the way that they were going about it, I was like, oh, I get it. This is why people think this is so cool, because as you're studying entrepreneurship or reading entrepreneurship, um, they never talk about like, oh, yeah, by the way, like your account is going to be overdrafted 72 times in this year. Isn't that cool? You're going to log into your bank account and see you're in the negative $800. They, they don't write about that shit in the entrepreneurship books, but that's real <laughs> if you want to call it entrepreneurship. Like we deal with that as business owners. We deal with, I mean, where you're, you know, writing payroll and you're literally sitting there like, please go through like please you know the money's coming uh the pay is going out and it's a timing thing where you don't know if you're going to make payroll uh, especially in the early days you're dealing with that and you're just like i mean it will make you um if you don't have a um issue with nerve anxiety whatever you want to call it it'll give you one it'll create one for you that comes free with your your badge with your entrepreneurship um starter kit you get stomach pain, you get anxiety, you get um, night sweats, you get uh, insomnia, and you get free ability to throw up at the drop of a dime with your Entrepreneur Starter Kit. Just go to entrepreneurstarterkit.com. Uh, I'll sell you that kit, but those are the realities. And I think a lot of people don't know because they think it's so cool, it's sexy, it's like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, what does that mean? I remember in the movie Social Network, Justin Timberlake, uh, he plays Sean Parker, the guy who really got Mark kind of buzzing on his idea of Facebook. And the first scene when Sean Parker, he like hooked up with some girl, he's laying in her bed and she's like getting the shower and everything and he discovers Facebook because she was on it. And he says, um, she says to him, she's like, yeah, what do you do? Because uh, I think he like lied to her or some shit, told her he's a doctor. And he's like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And so she's like, oh, you mean you're unemployed? So that's the case. A lot of times we find ourselves, if you're an entrepreneur, you are unemployed. You're trying to start an idea. One idea just failed. You're trying to get something going. But, you know, you find out real quick. It don't take the coronavirus to hit for you to figure out, yeah, I'm like, I got, I got no funds. I got, I'm basically unemployed. You'll find that out, especially in the early days. Um, so there is a lot of 
you know, cool factor associated with the, the term, but the reality, I mean, I'm a businessman. Um, that's the term that I always use. Um, I'm a hustler. That's the term that I always use. Um, I get after it. I mean, you call it whatever you want. Um, but those are some of the things. So thinking about the why and having something so compelling that you're willing to get the punches to the face, the repeated punches to the face to try to go after this thing and make it happen, you're going to need that. So let's jump back in here and finish up this first chapter. So the question is, why do you want your business to exist? If it's because you don't want to work for the man or some other gripe, it won't be compelling enough to keep you going when the going gets tough. When it comes to your business, are you setting out to build something that doesn't exist or are you just creating a me too product the world doesn't need any more me too products after facebook there's been a constant and never-ending barrage of me too social networks that have sprung up every one of them thought we are building the next facebook or uh, we are the facebook for whatever industry what happens to just about all of them they end up in the entrepreneurial graveyard because they didn't have a compelling reason no mission to work towards. So how can you avoid taking residence right alongside them? First things first, ask yourself, what is the problem that I'm trying to solve? Most great businesses, as I said, start out with this at their core. If you don't have an immediate answer, then that may be a sign you're heading down the wrong path. If you're trying to come up with a solution for a problem that doesn't exist, then it's unlikely that you will ever develop any traction. Without traction, meaning revenue, sales, and customer growth, you will not survive very long. My why, as an example, was to create salons for the thousands of graduates coming out of beauty school every year. Salons that knew the modern day language of hairstylists, Salons that could design a career path for new stylists. Salons that didn't exist at the time. Salons that eventually would cover the entire globe and bring the entire profession of hairstyling to another level. Not just another Me Too salon, but an entirely new culture of salons. Since inception, we've been focused on nothing but that. To change the landscape of the hairdressing community, may take my entire lifetime or more, but I couldn't think of a more noble contribution to the world than making people look and feel more beautiful inside and out. From the hairstylist having the lifestyle they've dreamed of and deserve to the guests who come through the doors every day that we have the privilege of working with day in and day out. That is our compelling why. That's what it's going to take to keep you going when the going gets tough. What I want you to think about is what is your why? What problem are you trying to solve? And if you don't, may never get solved. And if you do solve it, could change the world. Having a clear answer to those two questions will get you mentally prepared for the road ahead which will be riddled with landmines, potholes, and other obstacles along the way. And it's in your darkest hours, when your whole world goes to shit, like right now, 
during the corona economy, which it will plenty of times, that you will have the answers to those two questions to keep your guiding light, your North Star, to keep you moving forward against all odds. So that's our first chapter, the why chapter. Now, something I want to, I want you to, you know, kind of, I want to go back to those two questions, right? Say you're, you're looking right now and you're like, damn, the place I was working at pre-corona, they might not even be um, open anymore, right? They may not reopen. So as you're looking at that or you're thinking, you know, you're going to start a business. Maybe you're one of the courageous ones. You're like, you know what? I put, I put my cards on, you know, on my table. I had them on somebody else's table and I lost everything. Now I'm going to try my own thing. So maybe you're thinking that. Those two questions right there that I want you to have answers to, clear answers to as you're starting to chart the path. Is there a problem that, you know, you see that frustrates you or that you think like you want to tackle, you want to solve? So what is that problem? So that questions are, what problem are you trying to solve that if you don't may never get solved and if you do solve it could change the world so think about that what are what is that because there are things i mean i'm reading a book right now about all these billion dollar brands and these companies that you know got started and how they got started from the dollar shave club to the um, Warby Parkers of the world, Casper Mattresses. Um, there's a uh, company, Esalon, that is a direct threat to you know my entire industry. Uh, but these companies, you know, they were they were started out of you know trying to solve a problem. You know, take take uh, Dollar Shave Club for example. You know, guys are like, you know what? Razors are too damn expensive. I got to go in a store. They're all locked up under like like it's like the you know you know the tr the the uh, treasure the prized treasure of whatever the Walgreens the Walmart you know they're locked up behind lock and key you know you can if you can even get to them and they're expensive as hell um it's it's just a hassle so they were just like this is a big problem we could do this better or, or you know figure out a way and that's how that company started became a billion dollar brand um so there are different problems and things out there that you may be it may be something that you're dealing with and you know you're like yeah this is frustrating for me it's frustrating for lots of people and you may want to bang your head against the table until you figure it out you know but having something compelling and if no one's tackling the problem you know that's something that's going to get you up that's something that's going to get you out of bed that's something that's going to get you excited and if you're not excited to try to tackle and solve that problem then it's gonna be real easy for you to quit. It's gonna be real easy for you to throw in the towel. It's gonna to be real easy for you to fold up your your stuff and go home, right? And just, hey, just go, go get a job, forget that idea, that crazy idea. And a lot of times it is a crazy idea. I mean, when I was starting, all right, my business model was like, yeah, start a salon where you just hire people from out of school. And I would tell other business people that were like astute, you know, professional entrepreneurs, um, they'd be like, yeah, so you're hiring all these people. They have zero clientele. How are you going to pay them? And I didn't have the answer to that. <laughs> um, you know, how are you going to sustain that? You know, are you going to be doing all the hair to be able to create the revenue? It's like, I get a, like it's not really an efficient business model. And these guys are telling me it'd be better off, you know, hire people that have clientele. 
And I'm like, yeah, that would be, but then that would be what everybody else does. And that whole me too thing, that's not what I was trying to do. I was trying to do something different. Um, so those are things to think about. If there's a problem out there that people say, a lot of times when people say it's not a good idea, you're probably onto something. Because remember how people are. They're more cynical. They're more naturally pessimistic. I mean, if you live on planet Earth, I mean, it's a lot of times it's, you know, it's it's not great. So people are naturally, um, will, will, you know, lean more towards the negative than they will towards the positive. So when you bring your idea up, you're probably gonna, it's gonna get shit on, and that's gonna be your first test. All you budding business owner entrepreneurs out there, your first test is gonna be, um, can you weather just the critique? Can you weather the cynicism? Can you weather um, that beginning part of you just being um, told that, yeah, that'll never work? Because that's what the beginning phases are going to be like. Um, so those are some things to think about. Uh, that's the why chapter, your first year in salon ownership. Uh, hopefully you're thinking about your why if you are considering going in to owning a salon and you're thinking about um, you know, tasting some of that blood when you get punched in the mouth the first time. And hopefully you like the taste of it because if you don't, you know, you got to be one of those those hardcore boxers that you know you get punched and you just just spit your tooth out and just <laughs> just keep on going like that shit's not gonna stop you um, that's kind of the attitude you got to have especially for business especially if you're gonna build something especially if you're gonna stick with it and especially if you're gonna keep pushing through the corona economy that we're going through right now so hopefully you guys enjoyed that chapter be back tomorrow morning 9 a.m uh, be back with another chapter um, and, and I wanted to start with that chapter because that in itself, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, I want to open a business or, you know, I want to start a business like that in itself, like there's so many reasons not to do it. It's so easy to come up with reasons to not do it because there's a ton of them, right? You're going to go broke. Um, you could go bankrupt. Uh, you could put all of your life savings into it and lose everything. Um, you could, you know, end up in the corona economy where you don't really know what the fate of anything is. I mean, there's so many reasons, but if if hearing some of that stuff in in the why, you know, chapter of salon ownership and you still are interested in it, then you're probably a little crazy like me. So, hey, you go for it. You know, I'm here to say go for it. You know, if you're if you're willing to after even even just I mean, we had the introduction yesterday. Um, the preface uh, and now the why chapter, if you're still considering it, then yes, you're probably a little crazy and a little crazy is what it's going to take. If you're, if you're wanting to go into business, it's going to take a little crazy because it's going to make no sense. A lot of the times it's going to make no sense. I'm just like those, those uh, astute business guys that when I told them my idea, they were like, yeah, uh, I don't know if that's going to work. You know, so that's what it's going to take. A little bit of crazy can go a long way. Um, I've been using a little bit of crazy for the last 10 years, uh, you know, and, you know, still standing, got punched in the face plenty, plenty, plenty of times going to get, I'm going to get, continue to get punched in the face right now, you know, getting my face punched in and stepped on, um, deal, dealing with our Corona economy. But, you know, that's what we sign up for as business owners, or you can use the term entrepreneur, whatever sexy way you want to dress it up. Um, but that's kind of what we sign up for.
Um, so hopefully you guys got some, some takeaways from uh, that chapter today. Be back tomorrow morning. 9 a.m. Pick another chapter. If you if you guys have a certain chapter that you know you want me to jump into first, uh, let me know. Um, or else I'll just kind of be picking a chapter at random, take you through it, um, kind of adapt it for the current environment that we're living in. And this one especially when we're talking about ownership, there's so many things. I mean, you know, in in just the past you know days that I've learned that I'm like, hmm, uh, things that I have to totally you know kind of reimagine and think about so it's going to be fun to go through this and do a lot of the real-time editing you know as i'm reading it and as i'm sharing with you guys and seeing some of the comments and questions about it it's going to be a lot that uh we can get done here um so thank you guys for tuning in this morning waking up with me having a little coffee or a little tea i got my my pumpkin spice back on smash and I look forward to seeing you guys uh, tomorrow morning for another edition of Storytime. Um, I'll have the video up on Facebook, on the Facebook pages, and also on my story. Share it. Bring a friend with you tomorrow for Storytime. Grab your tea. Grab your coffee. I'll see you guys 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time tomorrow morning. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Hey guys, Sunny D here again. Thanks for listening to that last episode. Hopefully it's got you wondering. Hopefully it's got you curious. Hopefully it's got you getting ready to answer those questions. Because there may be an itch that you just need to scratch, that you cannot take your mind off, that you keep coming around and around and coming back to. That may be your answer. That may be your ticket. That may be your door that you need to open where your freedom lies, where your opportunity lies. So think about those questions. What problem that if you don't tackle it and you don't try to solve it, may may not get solved. And if you do solve it, could change the world. So thanks again for listening. Check out yfypodcast.com for all the latest episodes. And to check out the books, learn more about those, head over to yourfirstyearin.com. As always, it's been a pleasure having you here on the podcast. Look forward to you joining. Hopefully, you'll be able to join one of the live streams Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time for some story time with Sunny D. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, guys. And remember, this is the podcast. This is the place. This is the YFY podcast. This is where you come to learn how to build your business right once or else you will be doomed to have to build it again. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you soon.